So let's see. Hopefully, <laughs> I got a tickle. So sorry. <clears throat> okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Walk in Faith. And I'm joined by Poppy Green and Paul Michael Angel to talk about this amazing documentary, Medical. Oh, my God. Sorry. Let me just start over. Hey, everybody, welcome to a new episode of Walk in Faith, and I'm excited to be sitting down with my new friends, Paul, Michael, Angel, and Poppy Green, to talk about this really inspiring documentary, I'm sorry, Medicine Man. Guys, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I just want to read briefly about the documentary. This documentary was based on Stan Brock, which he founded a not-for-profit called Remote Area Medical or RAM. And when I watched this documentary, it really, it touched a lot of subjects, but I want to just find out. First of all, Paul, why did you decide and how did you get involved in this documentary, Medicine Man? Well, I live in the United Kingdom where we have a national healthcare system. And I remember growing up and discovering that America had a totally different system, um, was based on uh, private companies providing services, basically uh, through uh, your employer uh, in most cases. But of course, there's people, if they don't have insurance through their employer, they get insurance personally on an individual basis. Um, and I thought, oh, okay, that sounds very different. Um, and then I discovered that the healthcare provision was no better than we have in the UK. In fact, it seems to be worse. So um, US like uh, Census Bureau figures 2022, they're saying 25 million people in the United States don't have access to healthcare right now. Um, so I, I kind of knew about the issue, to be honest, before I came to the United States. Um, and then one day I was reading the Times in London and uh, there was a story about this guy, this British guy, life to run free pop-up healthcare clinics all across the United States. And the muse of the article was like, well, who is this guy? Why is he doing this? He's British. He's 76 years old. Um, how did he get to this point where he's living in the US and he's devoted to his life? And I mean, he took a vow of poverty. He sold his car. Um, most of his possession to run the organization and never took a salary. So I thought, OK, he, he, this is a really special person. Um, and then reading the article, it said that he had this, uh, this um, past where he was a cowboy in Guyana, a wildlife TV star on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, and was also um, campaigning um, for better healthcare outcomes by speaking to politicians and so on. I was like, oh my God, this guy's just amazing. So I decided that Sunday, just immediately Google the organization and pick up, the, uh, 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 make a phone call to um, their office. Um, now, bearing in mind, it is a Sunday, Stan himself picks up the phone and he's like, remote era medical, Stan Brock speaking. And I'm thinking, this guy is the real deal. Like he truly has devoted his life to this. He's in there burning the midnight oil on a Sunday. And I just fell in love with him at that point and thought, I have to convince him to do a feature length documentary that covers all the stuff about the healthcare clinics and the social issue that Stan's taking on, but also looks into his life and asks him some questions about you know, where he's coming from, why he's doing this, um, and try to kind of get underneath his skin. Um, so for some crazy reason, he decided to uh, do this film with us. And I think in some ways it's because 
the same DIY sort of startup ethos that Stan had when he started Remote Area Medical, which was just to get an old pickup truck from a friend and ask a few uh, dental technicians to volunteer and um, get donations for gas. And, you know, they drove up to Cooksville, Cook County, uh, Tennessee in 1991, three people in a pickup truck and just did the first ever remote clinic, right? That's how they started, humble beginnings. So our filmmaking outfit and said, yeah, you know, you guys have got a very similar ethos. You're all volunteering. You haven't got any financing. You've got a great DIY spirit. Let, let's just see where this goes. And for many years, we've persisted on that basis um, until about three years into the project, uh, which is like a blink of an eye in the terms of this project because it's gone on for 12 years. Um, but three years in, um, we got some support from Iambic Dream, um, a great company uh, based in Toronto. Um, and we got the access to Stan. And he, we were very fortunate because he's a very modest guy, doesn't like to talk. But he really communicated with us and opened us, uh, opened up to us and let us know what, what goes on inside uh, the head of one of the greatest humanitarians in the United States. Wow. And it's funny you said about, you know, de- uh, doing films yourself. And, and in the film, there's those the scene where he's opening up the checks and those $10 checks and $20 checks. And he said, this is what supports us. But he was the real deal. I mean, when I watched that film and I thought about, too, especially when he was the star and then he decided that something else was calling him. And I think that happens to all of us. I know for me, and it probably happened to both of us. For me, it was a spiritual awakening where I felt like God was calling me and pulling me to do something else that really had real meaning opposed to just financial gain. And you see in his life, that's exactly what happened. He just felt like there was something pulling him, something more. He was we, he had a real purpose. And then he gave his life fully to this mission, which was to offer healthcare, these pop-up clinics. Poppy, now, what was your experience like with Stan? Yeah, I had the honor of working alongside Stan for a couple of years before he passed. And uh, like y'all have said, he really walked the walk. He lived here at headquarters. He gave everything of himself all of his time. Um, the man, he would he'd wear shoes until they were bare. Um, and, and he never asked for himself. Uh, so you'd see that his shoes had holes in them. Um, and you still want to ask, um, you know, the staff, this uh, kind of quasi-family he formed, you know, someone would be, you know, notice it and go out and buy him a new pair of shoes. Uh, but he took no salary. He worked around the clock, building the organization, sustaining it, and really advocating for patients, um, all because he really believed, uh, and we continue that belief that everyone deserves access to quality health care, regardless of who you are, where you are, all those other things that can sometimes get in the way. Did, did he ever share with you? I mean, in the film, you mentioned it, but did he ever share personally why he was, he, he made sort of this cha- this transformation in his life? Um, as for myself, um, I think that's a great thing that the film allows you to ponder and also come to understand. Um, Stan was a very complicated individual, uh, very focused on the mission um and uh just a true inspiration but i know uh paul might have had a little bit more insight into that over his uh, the lifetime of the project stan was a really complex guy um it's hard to be definitive about any theories 
as to why he was motivated to do what he did. There's a few elements, I think, in his story that kind of point to where he was um, psychologically, like, emotionally in life. Um, in in some ways, you know, and and, the, and you see this in the film, Stan is a man looking for a family and America becomes that family. And is is a big part of that family. And then later you realize that the patients that ram treat are actually also stan's family by extension so that's like a big factor in like why he's chosen to do such a thing i think and, and be such a big part of the community um but and i think another big reason is that the, the time that he spent um in guyana on um one of the world's largest cattle ranches in a, in a very remote place where they were 26 days away on foot from a doctor because there were no roads. Um, there, was a, uh, there was just a plane that flew in and out of the ranch uh, once a month. Um, he had some experiences there, which, uh, and without giving too much away about the film, he had some experiences there which really brought home to him how serious it is when people don't have access to medical attention. And that made an impression on him. And it took time for that to... to settle in it was only when he went to the united states and saw the conditions there that he really began to realize that a better purpose for his life than just being in world Dive tv and um some fairly shaky action movies by his own uh, admission i mean he calls these years the frivolous years of his life um he realizes there's a great cause a great purpose like right here in america that he could do something about and, and it's something that connects to his past and his experiences um and it seemed like the right thing to do and you've got to be a very special person to be able to do that at the age of 45 um to say i'm going to live a life um which is devoid of any materialism now mm. um i'm going to sell that plot of land i'm going to sell the car um, I'm going to create a, an organization and which which will provide a home for me, quite literally, um, and I'll just sleep on the office floor. And all of the distractions of life will be stripped away and I'll just be able to focus on this one purpose, on this one cause. And I, I think that's a, a sort of fantasy that we all have from time to time, We all, especially as we get to our, our, our middle years. We start to think... Um, is there something I can do here that's like more meaningful and more, but, but there's so many distractions and things mm -hmm. in the way. And Stan just was fortunate enough that he was able to remove the distractions. And he also had this incredible focused character that he could just choose this one singular purpose. Wow. And I think that's what makes him special. You, you said so many things and, and that story about when he had, he's on horseback, the 26 days, that's a powerful story. But and I think I think if, honestly, for me, for all of us, the, to, to receive or to experience true fulfillment, in a sense, you need to to eliminate all those distractions. And I think those distractions are there. And for me, I believe the enemy or the distractions there in order for us not to fulfill our real purpose in our assignment, because when we discover what our purpose is and we start to go after our assignment, you see like Stan, how. It's so rewarding. I mean, people that don't give or don't volunteer, they don't understand what it's like to give. And in the film, you see the doctors and the dentists that just give. And the only thing they might get in return is a smile. 
And until you experience that, and like you, Paul, I mean, I know you read the article and, and, you, and that's, a, that's great, but beneath the surface, you were obviously motivated for other reasons. And same thing with you, Poppy. You could be doing a thousand other things. Paul, you could do films on Hollywood and, and these big blockbuster movies, but it doesn't give us that sense of fulfillment. And people like Stan, they, they really, they let it, they make us think and reflect and say, could I be doing something different? Is this what God has called me to do? Is this my purpose in life? It really, films like this really allow us to explore that and make us sit and think, because I really believe we're all called for something greater than just to make money or materialism, because none of us are fulfilled when it's just chasing, chasing. It's a distraction. And this man, he reminds me of a saint where he just, just it got rid of everything. St. Francis, there's so many stories like that, but to hear that in a, in a modern day person and to see it, mm. I mean, Poppy, I mean, why did you decide to, to get involved with, you know, RAM? I mean, tell me. Yeah, I was a college student procrastinating and uh, second semester figured I should probably have plans for the summer. Uh, I can't just watch YouTube videos and uh, hang out uh, all summer. And um, I saw some material about remote area medical, uh, went down that rabbit hole that so many people can do when you're just browsing uh, the Internet. And uh, something about Stan really captured my interest, the work that the organization was doing. And uh, I was going to school in central New York at the time. And I had a friend in pharmacy school down here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, so it happened that is uh, where remote area medical is based. So I, I called up my buddy and I said, hey, I'm going to come down and maybe volunteer a couple days, see what this place is about. Uh, I walked in the front doors of the organization and uh, essentially never, never left. Made some trips uh, back home. I finished up my education, um, but I, I was always ready for that call uh, from Stan when needed uh, to come down and, and help. And, you know, you, you get to meet someone who really is so simple, complex at the same time, but his motivations are so simple and so pure. And I think in today's society, we can look at people and try and find out what's wrong. You're like, there's got there's got to be a catch. Um, in all my years, there was there was no catch. Mm. Uh, and it it's just inspirational to have the opportunity to continue this legacy that he left for all of us. Um, you know, the documentary does a great piece, um, does a great job addressing that. That this is really about people coming together behind this mission and this idea that people deserve access to healthcare. Uh, play a small part in that uh, something that is so uh, human-centered uh, so basic uh, the opportunity of a lifetime so beautiful so so tell us too like you know because people are watching this saying you know they don't really truly understand that not everyone has access to health care tell me about some of the stories or some of the statistics that we went over you know the price of health care dental health care Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, Paul, you must have done extensive research on this. So fill us in a little bit with some of the people that are not familiar with what's really happening in this business we call healthcare. Well, I remember speaking to somebody in Sacramento in 2012. So this is 10 years ago, but I don't think things have changed much. She was telling me that it was $500 just to register at a surgery before anything was looked at at all, just $500 to register. But I mean, as many people will know, if you go to ER with a broken arm, it's about $5,000 if you don't have any um, insurance in place. And um, 
somebody who I also met in San Clemente um, was telling me that um, her husband um, had some quite serious cancer uh, issues and the bills were like $250,000. Uh, again, he didn't have um, other insurance in place, so they were looking at raising $250,000. The very, very sad conclusion to that situation was that her husband actually took his own life because he felt that that was the only solution to the problem for the family. The burden that he was carrying for the family, he came to the reasoning that that was the, the only thing he could do. Of course, that has destroyed that, that woman's life. Her son has mental health issues because of this traumatic period. Um, she's lost her home. It's just completely turned her life upside down. And I think to myself, um, that seems so unnecessary in one of the world's most affluent countries, that there has to be a better way. And by the way, we're not all about um, telling people how, how to do it. You know, we, we're not saying the, the answers are easy. We're, we're really about two things. One, raising awareness that there is a situation that, that needs to be addressed. Um, and then secondly, saying we need to uh, improve access to healthcare. Uh, across the United States, whatever, however that's done. I mean, how, however that's done, um, you don't have to see this basically as a political issue where, you know, people are talking about um, Obamacare and a positive and negative lie or um, all of the machinations that go on. What, what Stan wanted to do was make healthcare a, a human rights issue rather than a political issue not not a partisan thing and and always made sure that he made friends with politicians on both sides of the political divide and went to parts of the country where both sides you know very red state areas and as well as blue state areas um and uh, you'll notice in the film was was really it was really important to stand to go to all the different communities and demographics of the united states because it isn't it's not a problem that's consigned to one community um it seems to just cut completely across the board i mean almost everybody i speak to um has some sort of concern about their um, health insurance situation if it's not them it's for an aging relative or it's for a, a child who's becoming an adult and now they need to look at a policy for for them so um yeah I, I think that really kind of uh, um sums up where stan's coming from and where we want to come from as well as a film no i, I agree i mean it, it's not a political thing at all but i was i was sharing before just my personal health care and how much we pay for health care monthly and dental and how much money we pay monthly for dental health care which to me does not even exist i don't even know why they offer dental health care because nothing's covered, but we're paying $2,000 a month for a surgery for the past over a year. It was almost ten dollars to $20,000 for a root canal or a crown. Like, how could somebody afford that? I mean, this is not, and like, even in the film, when you show some of the people that are going for, whether it's, uh, you know, surgery or if they're going for a cleaning, these are all different types of people. People that one, one family owned a business, they lost their small business and they had no health insurance. I mean, I know people personally that don't have health insurance that might have a job, but they can't afford health insurance. And, and this, is, this is a problem. This is an epidemic. And this is, doesn't just affect one group or, or demographic. It affects everyone. And I think this film, like you said, it raises awareness because this is something that we all should have a right to, a human right. It's really, 
But now, Poppy, when when in the film, especially, and I know there's a there's a scene where Stan is upset because you know they they closed the facility. How do you or can you separate yourself from some of the people, some of the patients that you meet? Because that's a lot to a lot of a lot to take on. It's a it's a huge burden to undertake. How do you separate yourself from what you're experiencing day by day? Yeah, I tell everyone when they come to uh, their first clinic, um, you know, from the staff or volunteer perspective, uh, that it should be unsettling. Um, if you aren't a little bit upset by what you see, um, I think you need a gut check um, because you walk in and these are these are our neighbors. Um, these are not um, the indigent. You know, we serve people of all different walks of life. So there are people that, you know, they're working two and three jobs. They're part-time. They have no healthcare insurance. Or maybe they do have an insurance, but the deductible is so high that they might as well not have it. Um, and then we have somehow divorced dental care and vision care from this, this concept of healthcare. Uh, and it's all intertwined and interconnected. Um, so it, it, should, it should upset you. Um, but there's hope, um, because through Stan and the foundation that he set, um, just as, as one example, um, we realized that we can either sit on the sidelines or we can do what we can as individuals and come together across our differences and make a difference in the neighbor's life. Um, it may be one person at a time before that one person um, and their family and all the people that care about that person, uh, it, it makes a difference. Mm. So while we can, um, and it's certainly not easy saying no when capacity is hit. Uh, it's one of the, the saddest, saddest aspects of what we do. Um, you know, and our heart goes out because every clinic, there unfortunately are individuals that can't receive care because you know we may have 40 or 50 total medical professionals but there's so much need um so it, it is upsetting um we try to focus on the individual and celebrate what we can do for that one individual um and we know by doing that one that that by one by one uh, we are making a difference um and me personally, I'd rather um, give my all to help one person than sit on the sidelines um, and lament and, and maybe focus on some of these bigger political type issues that are that have gotten us to where we are today. I agree. Well, I, I want people to support this film, support you. So if you could tell us, first of all, when it's coming out, I think it's November 14th, but how people can get involved and what do you hope they walk away with after watching this film? Like you said, you don't want people to sit on the sidelines. They need to get involved. And it is our neighbors. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live, what you do for a living. We are all in a situation where at some point, one paycheck away from you know, being at these clinics. We're all in the same situation. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, so we need to help one another. So tell us, how do we help? How do we get involved? And what do you hope they walk away with? Yeah, we are. When you so get, you got this, Paul. You know, when you go to a RAM clinic, you see a lot of people suffering and it affects you. But then you see the exit door and you see that, you know, everybody that leaves this clinic is going to be in a better situation. You see all of the good that, that's done. And 
in some ways, the film is like that too, because there's some really distressing stuff about y- your fellow Americans in, in this film, and it's it's tough to it's tough to see so much suffering, but ultimately the the film ends up being a kind of celebration of what the American people can achieve when they come together for a common purpose. And in some ways, I wanted the film to be a, a tribute to that great American spirit that like still lives on. And I, I look in from the outside and I can see America slightly beginning to doubt, doubt itself and, and wor- wonder if it still has the, the power to do great things. And I want to hold this film up really as an example of how, what America can achieve when everybody comes together. So that's what I hope the takeaway is. It's actually something really positive that's um, a kind of ode to American spirit, which which I truly believe lives on. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the best judge because you know, I'm the guy who's come in to America and um, uh, experienced tremendous hospitality and a wonderful openness of people that talk to me all the time. So it truly is one of the greatest countries in the world still. Um, but if you want to see the film, and by the way, on screening nights, not just a feature film, there's a short film afterwards. It's an update on all the amazing things that Remote Area Medical have been doing in the last five years. Um, you can see the film at 700 locations, November the 14th, 7 p.m. If you go to Medicine Man's Dan Brock story, the Fathom Events webpage. So you'll have to put in Fathom Medicine Man Stanbrock story. You'll see the uh, ticket page and there's a zip code finder on there. So put in your zip code. It'll show you your nearest location. Most locations are about 15 minutes. I've had a good look, um, a lot of zip codes. They're kind of like 15 minutes in an extreme situation. It's like 25 minutes away from a lot of people. So hopefully everybody can get down there um, on November 14th. Mm. Well, we always support Fathom Films, so we will continue to support Medicine Man. Like I said, it's an amazing documentary. And thank you for just making me think and reflect on not just my own life, but Stan's life, but also healthcare in general. You know, it, it really is a problem that all of us collectively can help. And also to recognize that our neighbors are the ones that are in need. It's not always people that are so far away. And, you know, some of these people are our neighbors or, or literally live next door. So, guys, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, really. Thank you for your time. And Paul, thank you for doing a film in the United States and helping us. I mean, I really appreciate that. Bring bring a remote area medical event to your community. That's my message. I hope everybody um, can make that happen one day. I, I appreciate that. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Walk in Faith. Always remember, you have the ability to inspire and evangelize your words and actions. God bless you. Was that good? Do we miss anything? That was awesome. That's good stuff. Thank you. I was a bit fumbly mumbly, but never mind. Ah, um, we're all it's been a long, been a long time. Yeah. No, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. And just, you know, guys, if you need anything from me, just keep in contact. I'll do a quick edit and then I'll post it probably by Monday and uh, I'll put it on all the social media platforms and try to get the word out. But if anything, you guys ever need anything, please feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. Okay. Fine. I'll check my other cameras, Craig. If I find a better angle, I'll send no, it No, that one's you. good. I like that one. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs> Thanks Bye-bye. a lot. Cheers. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye.